Hey guys, I'm super psyched to announce I got my first sponsor, Santa Cruz Skateboards. It's such a freaking dream. I can't believe I finally got sponsored by a skateboard company, even though it's not for my skating, <laughs> it's for my speaking. But I've been a skater since 1982 when I was 12 years old. I'm so honored. This company was based on punk rock and art. I actually found them in 1983. The Jim Phillips Screaming Hand and the Jeff Kendall Board, which I actually posted a picture of me skating the original model on my Instagram recently. And I actually think there's a reissue of it right now. So many amazing designs from the 80s. This company stepped up. They gave me my 20% off code. My code is NHSTOBY. Go to NHSFunFactory.com. USA citizens only. One per customer. Santa Cruz products only. And you can't buy this offer with others. It expires on March 10th at 12 midnight. Santa Cruz Skateboards, thank you so much. This is such a dream for me to come true. I finally got sponsored by you, by a company I looked up to and admired since a child. I really appreciate your support, and uh, I look forward to working with you moving forward. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hanging on to traditional values and, and defending cultural norms. You it's literally a, the opposite yeah, of everything right. I've stood for. You wouldn't have the, the, an RBG. You wouldn't have a root yeah, yeah. It, fucking, yeah. I, I can't believe I turned into the old guy who's saying fucking kids today, but I am. I fucking am. Someone's like, got it. I always said, like, if I have kids, they'll never be able to piss me off. The only thing they could ever do to piss me off is become a Republican. Mm-hmm. And now it's fucking my kids haven't, it hasn't happened, but the, a lot of the kids in the scene, it has happened. 100%. And it's like, 100%. what the fuck? I don't, give a, I don't give a fuck. I don't need those fans. They can go. I know. Yeah. That's how I feel. I'm not telling you how to feel, but that's but, how but, I feel. But, but no, it's crazy when you hear about people in punk rock bands that aren't Republicans. That's weird. And I, I think I think it was okay to have that point of view until this guy started running the show, you know. And still, tr- until Trump, it was yeah. there, was, know, there was a gray area. But once Trump became look, became I, I I agree with you that there's room in the world for different points of view. Yeah. And a normal Republican is way left of Trump. Actually, you know, to tell the truth, a normal Republican from the olden days, right, is far to the left of a totalitarian leader, right? There's still room. Yeah. There's still liberal ideas there. I, you yeah. know, I don't think there's anything wrong with family values or lower taxation if that's what someone cares about more than helping the poor and being mm-hmm. uh, being an individual. Like, whatever, right? I, that's a conversation. Uh, but um, the problem is I don't think Trump has any values. No. Trump is a kleptocrat who's out there to, to, to grab power, hold on to it, and make him and his family richer. And yeah. the thing is the bad guys in the Senate and in Congress – are sort of these extreme right wingers who are using this Trump moment to push their reactionary right wing ideals, which is don't let a woman control the reproductive rights of her own body. Yeah. Don't give people freedoms. Take away voting rights. Yeah. Suppre- it's just like repeal. Yeah, yeah. You know. Th- so so that's the problem, right? And so all Republicans who don't condemn Trump or denounce him are complicit in this swing to the far to the hard right, 100%. including whether you're a punker or you're, you're a priest or a rabbi or whatever the mom or whatever the fuck you are, yeah. you know, that, that's how I feel about it. If you, yeah. if you don't condemn him, you're with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he literally has no values. There's no, there's no there. discernible yeah. values in his fucking And there's no loyalty. Body. There's no loyalty no. to anything. Except for him and his family. But yep. probably his family is just mostly to him. It's, it's all yeah. about himself. I honestly wait, wait think he's he... a psychopath. Yeah. I, I truly yeah. believe it. Yeah, he's truly believe it. Mental problems. Yeah. How the fuck? How but, the fuck does that guy stay in office though? No, no, no. But the but 
these guys like McConnell and Ryan and, and all these, these uh, Republicans who got on the, the Trumpist train, right? They are demagogues. They are uh, uh, promoting an ideology mm -hmm. of, uh, which is not, uh, is not friendly to democracy. What's, what's really scary is the, the damage to the fabric of the United States that he's done. Like, people no longer trust the media. Yeah. And that's probably going to continue even after. It's going to get worse than office. that for sure. Yeah. The, you know, pe people are starting to distrust dem democracy. People are starting at every elections suspect, and there's like oh, a, a well, whiff of dishonesty. In Republicans, it. these kids in the alt right, they they don't they don't love democracy. They don't value democracy. What you know, what they value is a strong leader, and purity, and loyalty, and honor. You know, I, I had a kid uh, say to me the other day. Fuck a punk. He said, fuck democracy. Democracy is the tyranny of the majority. What the fuck? <laughs> what the, the fuck? The you know, it's like, okay, well, look at until we until we all live in an anarchist paradise together, how about democracy, right? <laughs> Seems to work okay. <laughs> See, but what you're saying the tyranny the of the majority, because the majority get their way and the, and the minority don't. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. It's obviously bullshit. What you mentioned about the ide ideology wow. is really interesting. Like, I'm, I'm from Venezuela, and I, I saw, you know, Chavez and that whole thing. And uh, uh, Trump is saying, and McConnell, they're saying the same things that, he's, that he said. Yeah, yeah. They're talking points that have been perfected from Russia, yeah. Cuba, from and all Chavez to Putin to all Everybody. these, you know, Erdogan. But Putin, McConnell, guys, <laughs> We're not recording yet. They have, yeah, they're he's smart. Recording this they year, want yeah. that. Yeah, they yeah. have that ideology. Trump has no shit. idea. He just wants to be safe and yeah. be corrupt and be kleptocratic and all this shit and have, like Toby said, have his yeah. family. I don't think Trump, I don't think Trump has no idea. I, th I do think he's smart, and I think that I, I think that uh, the ideological one is Steve Bannon, right? Right. But who's gone? But now, Trump yeah. is a charismatic leader, and he knows he knows that right before a midterm election, go out there and scare the heck out of people, yeah. right? Yeah. Talk about the caravan. Separate. Talk about. Uh, Immigration. Talk about Ebola viruses. Talk about whatever. Day after the midterms, there's not a word about that caravan anymore, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a page from the Putin playbook, and 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 Trump is sticking well. to it pretty well. <laughs> right. It's right? great so, that hundred million. I'm not saying that it's in the in service of an ideology for Trump. Right. It's simply in the service of power. Yeah. You know, if you know he, he if something worked better, he'd do it. Yeah. If something worked better, he'd say it. I mean, day one of his presidency, he just started blasting untruths, right? Yeah. So that Trump. you know, he was he was not trying to uh, convince people he was telling the truth. He was trying to convince people that I can lie so fast that nobody can possibly know the truth anymore. Right. So yeah. stop caring about truth. Yeah. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. Right? It's true, That's man. That's unprecedented. Yeah. No pre like, every politician lies. Yeah. No no politician ever lies so much because their goal is to get people to give up on ever even seeking the truth yeah. so they can just seek refuge in the shelter of their filter bubble on Fox News or their Facebook group and only hear the point of view that makes them feel more comfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, you know that's that, that's what he's doing. Yeah, it's, anyway, it's cool. It's, it's cool. Hundred million. It's nothing before. to do with with epitaph and H two O. So we can, we can move on. To other <laughs> no, stuff. but I like this. I'm gonna record it. But I, I liked it. A hundred million people voted. 
That's amazing, right? The biggest yeah, midterm yeah, election ever in the history yeah. of America is like, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And like some of the first women were elected and the first uh, a lot of women out were gay elected. man was elected. More, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good stuff and... There's a lot of positive stuff from there's it. There's some positive stuff. And then yeah. we'll, with the, the, the house being reclaimed, we'll create, hopefully create a bit more of a system of checks and balances I so he doesn't so. get too wild. The big problem is Facebook, really. I mean, without Facebook, we would never have a Trump. Yeah. And it's it's, hmm. it's it's breaking society up. It really is. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's it's killing it's, society. It's super political, Facebook, right? It's like it's super. I'm not on there, but I know my friends are. Just super intense and just super mm. in your face, right, all day long. It's yeah. radicalizing people. Are, are you on it's there? Radicalizing. Well, I mean, I'm on it because I have a record label. I have to like promote yeah. the new song to every time I die's f- fan base. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, I'm not personally. I haven't put a family picture on there or checked in with my aunt on Facebook in, in years. I don't. Yeah. I don't use it for that. You know. Yeah. And I certainly don't use it for news anymore. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Yeah. It's I bullshit. Would, you actually, I go in and, and remove anything because I yeah. don't want yeah. anything to be yeah. out there. There's anymore. a There's a new article. Uh, it's an op-ed in the New York in today's New York Times about the danger of Facebook and how how uh, you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of things would have never uh, happened had it not been for Facebook. You know, the the, the rally in uh, Charlottesville, the you know, yeah. a lot of these mass shootings, the very election of Trump itself. It's all this stuff is you know, Facebook's people organizing shit on there, huh? Yeah, I mean, Facebook's uh, business model is not aligned with the with the welfare of society. Mm-hmm. All it's what it's aligned to doing is just whipping people up into a pissed off frenzy mm-hmm. about whatever the thing is. That's what Facebook is good for. Mom, mom you know, they're pretending to be good for fair, you know, sharing family photos. Yeah. It started <laughs> off. It started. Yeah, like reconnecting like with people yeah. from high school and shit. Man, like I, miss, yeah, yeah, I miss cat videos. It's good for that, but that's not what it's for anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's all about that. That doesn't get as many clicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. about the clicks and the fucking all yeah. the social media shit. Yeah, let's talk about H2O. Let's talk yeah. about your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Mr. Brett. We just got cut up talking about politics. We are live at uh, Epitaph Records. I want to say that Epitaph Records and Discord Records are like the last remaining independent record labels in the world. Physical, actual buildings. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I don't really fact check here, like my man Mike Rappaport, but I just want to say that I think that uh, that could be true or false, but I'm going to say it's true. Oh, I don't know. You, you can say it. I won't argue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, there's a lot of indie labels out there. there you know, there's th- some cool indie labels now that, that have punk bands are like Top Shelf, Run for Cover, Tiny Engines. They're, they're doing like there's. But for how many years? This started in 1980, didn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it sort of the official. There was sort of a, a few little starts. So I put out a first seven inch in, I put out Bad Religions first seven inch in 1980 or 81. And then, uh, how can hell be any worse? How can hell be any worse in 81 or 82? 81, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, uh, put out the Vandal's piece through vandalism around that time, yeah. Um, and it put out in around that time. <laughs> <laughs> and how, it's been how many years? Um, well, we've been in this building since 94, so I guess that's 24 years, ladies and gentlemen. That is the voice of Brett Gerowitz. You may know him from Epitaph or Bad Religion. So thanks for thanks for making time out for us today, Brett Gerowitz. Thanks for having me. You might know him as from Mr. Brett. Please put down your gun from a thir- from a thirty second song we did. Mr. Brett, please put down your gun. Mr. Brett, please put down your gun. Oh man, uh, we were just 
came, dude. Oh, he's coming in here. Oh, shit. He really does have a gun. Get out of here. No, seriously, he's aiming the gun at It's only a shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was from Fat Records, man. The short music for short people uh, compilation. Remember, we were, doing, we were in the studio with Brett doing um, FTTW, 1999. Fat Mike hit us up, and then we did that 30-second songs. I don't know what it had to do with guns. I don't know if we had any guns in the studio. I don't remember that at all. But, yeah, that's where that came from. That's a fucking awesome memory I'll never forget. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. You started up at Fat Records. We just talked about that briefly in 1980. And then in 81, or 80 put out the first Bad Religion 7-inch. And then 81 was like, how can hell be any worse? Yep. And then I think Peace Through Vandalism was after that, Vandals, right? Yep, the Vandals, Peace Through And then vandalism. I think a bunch of Bad Religion releases, right? Before you did, obviously, Ranson, Pennywise, and No Effects. Yeah, so so those very early records I, I sort of did as a kid when I was living at home with my parents. Yeah. And then um, sort of had a, had a second uh, sort of a restart for Epitaph in the mid 80s and that's when we put out l7 oh yeah and suffer bad religion suffer great record. those kind of records and that that's what i kind of look at as the official start and i reissued how could hell be any worse at that time and stuff like that okay it was uh did, did you write it was 21st century on that too um 21st century digital boy was on um against the grain okay yeah, yeah. But, then, but then it was re-recorded later on correct and it was re-recorded in 94 for the stranger than fiction album produced by andy wallace so, wow, anyway. Yeah. His his recording of it's cool. I I like the old one too though. So that was shit, that was the eighties, man. That's before we even started going to shows. Because we didn't start to like eighty three, eighty four, like in D C and stuff, right? The first the first um twelve inch EP. I think we saw Bad Religion back then though. Early man, that, so uh, only gonna die is what you're referring to. And that was on that was on the uh our first LP was on How Could Hell Be Any Worse. Yeah. So, so you've been here for such a long time and been doing this for a very long time. Um, and I thank you for that because you put a lot of records out that actually help bands like us have longevity still because of the success of other bands. Um, how, how, how do you think you stayed this long and what do you credit to your longevity and being here for so long and still putting out records and still have the passion for it? Well... Um... You know, that's a good question. I guess, you know, one of the reasons is that I've been really lucky and a lot of the groups that I've signed, a lot of the records I put out turned out to be, you know, really talented artists and who made really enduring records. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's there's my band and those records have turned into sort of, you know, cult classics, yep. those early records. Staples. Um, but even, you know, even the earliest stuff I put out, you know, one of the first bands I signed was uh, L7, then No Effects, yeah. then Pennywise, then uh, Down by Law, then Rancid, um, then Offspring. So it's literally, there were almost no bands in between those. Like that's the order that I signed some Crazy, bands. Man. Oh, and the Vandals, you know. So, yeah. so, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, back then, um, it wasn't the same as today where anybody who made a song could just put it on Spotify or SoundCloud. Or YouTube, you know? yeah. Do video, so, yeah. So back then there weren't as many records, and um, and usually a band needed to f either do it themselves if they had the resources, which not everybody did. I was lucky; my parents helped me, like you know, get things started and awesome. have a little DIY label. Um, and um, so you either had to have the resources to DIY, do it yourself, or you had to find an indie label. And I don't know, like so, it's it's 
it's not like I was listening to hundreds of demo tapes and out of those demo tapes, I picked <laughs> no effects because yeah. they were the, the cream of the crop. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, you know, I didn't have any special ESP of who was going to be big. Yeah. It's like, I had a studio, I was a recording engineer for 15 bucks an hour, just barely making ends meet. Fat Mike's, you know, brought his band into my recording studio to do some recording. And I was like, and he did that because he liked my band. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And he liked the way I made my band sound. So he brought his yeah. band into my studio and I was like, you guys are sick. Can I put your record out on Epitaph? It was just like that. Wow, it wasn't like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, so I guess what I'm saying is, uh, luck played a part. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, <laughs> friendships, relationships, there's a good dose of luck. Um, and you know, and also hard work and, and, and believing in the music and then also learning from my predecessors, you know, that yeah. there, there were indie labels in the past and I saw all, all my friends and bands getting burned by their, their labels. Right. Uh, like yeah, posh boy, an old friend of mine, I'm not trying to diss him, but like he never paid a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, SST were not known for paying their bands. The, so indie labels have always been thought of as being cooler than majors. Yeah. But the truth is that a lot of the indie labels in the past hadn't figured out how to pay royalties for one reason or another, right? Yeah. Maybe that's just because they weren't that good at business and they got upside down. I'm not, you know, I'm not judging anybody. Yeah. But what I, I saw that happening, I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be fair with my bands. I'm like, I'm not going to do this and be some kind of pariah in the community. Cause you're in a band too. And you know, it's like, I'm in a band yeah, and, exactly, all the, and, exactly. and, and bands were my friends. So, it's, yeah. so, so on one hand I was lucky. I might've been a little smart and hardworking. And then also I learned, I learned from my predecessors that, you know what? Keep your nose clean. If you mm-hmm. say you're going to do something, do it. If you owe somebody a buck, pay them a buck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that I did that. And those are, those are the th- the things I've done, and for one reason or another, I'm still here. You know? and, we, and you did do that. I know it fast forward a little bit, but what you just said, if you're going to say something, do it. When we came here, we, we were about to sign with you. We came into the walkthrough here, and there was a bunch of these lowrider bicycles that Voodoo Glowskulls were going to have. <laughs> and I was like, we want those bikes. And he said, like, put them in your contract. So we put them in a contract, and we got those bikes shipped to New York. So, th- <laughs> so thank you for that. You're very you're welcome. You're with that. Um, <laughs> you're probably the only ones in New York with, like, we were with back like then. Cali lowrider bikes. Exactly, we were. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for that. Um, I Yeah. Oh, because those were not made for riding. No, 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 no. no. Really but yeah, uh, so, what, what was like the first? What was the first release? I guess big release that you like? Holy shit! Like, because I mean, from what I heard, you were selling CDs out of a, like I don't know if it's true out of, out of like a garage, like Offspring or something. They blew up. You were selling so many records. So, what was the record before that that started taking off in punk rock? Well, I mean, you know, for me, what happened was really sort of uh, lucky timing because we put out How Could Hell Be Any Worse yep. in 81. Then we sort of all went our separate ways for a few years into the mid-80s. So Greg went to college. I like like went to vocational school, learned to be a recording engineer, and I was getting jobs working in recording studios and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so uh, and the band played the odd show here and there, but for like, you know, four or five years, the group was really on half steam. Okay. And then uh, in 87, when I decided to start Epitaph up again, uh, because we were going to record Suffer, I called up some distributors and they were all, hey, how could we get, how could hell be any worse? That record's a classic. We want to buy, you know, oh, shit. a bunch of them from you, right? And I was like, really? So like <laughs> during that during that sort of sleepy period, like 
our debut album had become a cult classic so that as a result of that, when people found out we were going to do a new record, which was Suffer, yeah, people were like, oh man, we got to have that, right? So literally sort of the first record I put out uh, after restarting the label yeah, did really well. Suffer, like, you know, Maximum Rock and Roll called it best album of the year. Flipside Magazine called it best album of the year. Those record. were sort of like the punk rock Bibles at the time. There was no internet. There were no blogs. So like that was it. That was like getting in Spin and Rolling Stone. Yeah, Maximum Rock and Roll was of, a shit. Of punk, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that was our first big record. It did, wow. it did pretty good. It did like ten thousand here and ten thousand in Europe, you know. And it started started blowing us up in Germany. So, uh, so that yeah. And then it was sort of that was sort of the first one. But, but you know, I We're mean, start going steamboat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, No Effects Rib did really well. Oh yeah. Uh, Pennywise debut album did pretty well. Rancid self titled did pretty well. It, it was almost like everything I put out. It's like Suffer started this little ball rolling, and people who like that that California melodic hardcore sound, yeah, were interested in the next thing I'd put out. And then you know, and I was producing all those records, so I was yeah. helping those bands, like you know, teaching what I knew about about production and melody and so forth. So, which I tried to help with you guys with yeah. too on your record a little yeah. bit, even though trying to trying to you know be respectful of the New York hardcore sound as well, yeah. but. It just seems that there's that point in uh, the late 90s where just like it was classic after classic coming out. I mean, you had right, yeah. Come the Wolves, yeah. Full Circle, um, Everything Sucks. Yeah, like yeah. The Agnostic Front Record. The right, then a Descendants record. record. Even, even yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody looked to Epitaph for the yeah. putting out these but, records. Right, because, because the last one was good, everyone looked to us, and then the next one was good too, right? And yeah. so... You know, the, a milestone for us, the first record I ever shipped 100,000 of wow. was Against the Grain, believe it or not. Wow. Bad Religion Against the Grain. So that was our, th that was uh, like it was Suffer, No Control Against the Grain. And that one shipped 100,000. And at that time, it was sort of Bad Religion and Fugazi were like the two big punk bands or hardcore bands, whatever you want to call it, in the wow. U.S. Like we were both could play a Palladium at that time. You was know what I mean? Was on that album? Yes. Great yeah. song, great, yeah. great band. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big breakthrough. And at that time, you know, shortly after that, I think we, I signed Offspring and we put out Ignition, which was the first record by them. And, you know, uh, it wasn't the biggest record in the world, but Ignition probably sold from 30 to 50,000. Uh, Solid. You know, yeah. Solid, yeah. And uh, was gold, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, there were a lot of groups selling records, selling, you know, a decent amount of records. Was, you know, was each. Green Day blown up too at that point? Green Day was on lookout. And then, yeah, they were probably like, you know, Green Day at that Did time you? were like about as, like a little, they were smaller than Op Ivy. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they were, they were, they were pretty big. They were like, you know, maybe about as big as No Effects. Or, you know, they, okay. and, you know, they could sell out Gilman. And like, yeah. I feel like the stuff in Epitaph started blowing up and then the Dookie thing kind of went. It was all in the same kind of time, right? Yeah, I mean, Green Day, so when we did... When we did Recipe for Hate, right? Uh, when we and we did our Recipe for Hate tour, Green Day were uh, mixing their album Dookie, okay, and they were opening for us on that tour. Wow. So they were we were going around and we were playing like uh, you know big rooms, you know like uh, I don't know fifteen hundred seaters, thousand seaters. I think ninety three. Okay. Yeah, and Green Day were opening for us, so they were like main support for a band like us, which meant you know they were sort of as big as No Effects or Offspring, something like that. Pennywise, that's what size they were. Wow. Um, and then we put out Offspring Smash, and it blew up and started going gold and platinum. And then 
right after that, uh, Dookie. Dookie came out. So when the offspring blew up, what, what office? You had a small office at that point, like a couple people working there? Yeah, so we were... Uh, you've been down there, right? Have you not? Have, the one before you ever this? Office on Santa Mon- oh, this is the one? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we were in a small uh, office on Santa Monica Boulevard, right on... Uh, um, I think the cross streets were Santa Monica and... Uh, Argyle. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, near Santa Monica and Vine, and it was basically a little warehouse space, but it had a little office inside the warehouse. And yeah, it was like five people. It wow. Was like, you know, um, and the, yeah. So the story you're talking, talk, the, the story you mentioned that you heard was yeah. You know, so the offspring started selling so rapidly. That my whole place was filled with offspring records, and there, were, there wasn't even room to walk anymore, all the way up to the ceiling. And then we started, you know, we started renting out extra storage spaces um, downtown, and those those things were filled up. And so eventually, you know, I had to look for a bigger building, which I found this place. But I thought this place would was so big, yeah, that we'd use half for the office, half for the warehouse. And I did buy this place, but then by the time we were able to start getting in here. This place was way too small to hold all the records. Damn, so, I remember coming to so many shit. So, here, yeah. Uh, so then we had to get make this just be the office and get a <clears throat> big warehouse somewhere else. Was that just for CDs and LPs? Back then, it was it was cool. It was three. We had three um, formats: LP, CD, and cassette. Yeah. And we had to make all three. Man. You remember that, right? Those yeah. days, you'd be like, "Huh, oh, what do I want to buy it on?" You know, yeah. you'd have the cassette for your car. You know, yeah. yeah now there's everything's on your phone. I know. How do you think that the switch to digital affected the music industry? Uh, well, do you mean the switch to streaming, or do you mean the switch to CD, or you know, to streaming? To streaming? Um, well, I mean, it changed everything. Um, I mean, it put most of the major labels out of business. If you notice, there's only three major labels now. There used to be seven, right? Wow. Yeah. So, at first, it made the business smaller and smaller and smaller, so that all the majors had to sort of merge and now there's now there's three left where there used to be seven and so that's one thing it did it also leveled out the difference between the majors and the indies because it used to be that you know there were chain stores and it was hard to get into them for for uh, punk bands Um, so punk records were hard to find Um, but now there's no record stores at all right and any band that puts out a record or a song Everyone in the world can listen to it the same minute. Same minute, right? Sure. So yeah. it's no so in that up. sense, that's pretty revolutionary. Uh, and you'd think that would be a, a purely positive result, which I would too. Yeah. Except that, as often happens, the big tech companies that that were profiting profiting from all of this weren't really sharing any of the love with the people who are the creators. So in the beginning, there was a lot of uh, rip offery happening. Um, yeah. It's getting better now. Spotify is paying. Uh, YouTube still doesn't pay equitably, in my opinion, but Google does. Uh, so, you know, I, I could go on and on, but it's getting good now. And I think at the end of the day, I think the uh, music fan is a winner. Um, I think the legacy artist who has, who has, uh, who has a, a body of work out there that's beloved from, you know, from from Led Zeppelin to uh, to Minor Threat. Yeah. They're benefiting from it because people will continue to listen to that music for yeah. their lives and they'll, yeah. they'll be paid and it will never go out of stock. 
people, you know. Yeah. So you know, um, so I, I think there have been some positive. Uh, there have been some positives and some negatives, and hopefully over time the negatives will dissipate and it'll be a net positive. I like that vinyl is still big. Yeah, me too. We that's do a amazing. lot of vinyl at Epitaph, yeah. and uh, that's cool. And yeah, for me, um, I thought CDs were cool when they first came out because I. I'm just a nerd. Like anything new, I like it yeah. generally. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm the opposite of a Luddite. But um, but the truth <laughs> is that like, you know, CDs are kind of it turned out to not be that great anyway. You know, they do scratch uh, yeah. and uh, um, and they have their problems, you know, and, uh, you know, endless reissues of newly remastered CDs with a with a stick of chewing gum in it and two extra bonus tracks gets a little tiring after a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, for me having like the stream, you know, for the, for the pure music lover who just needs to hear it now or needs to hear it on top of a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and the vinyl for the collector who likes to have something in their fetishize hand and, something yeah. and have something. Yeah. To me, that's a cool combination. Um, I do miss that, like going to a yeah. record store and getting something or reading the thank yous or looking at the, the layout and stuff. Yeah. So now you can have that when you buy the vinyl. Yeah. You know, but the truth is I like streams better than downloads. I, I don't need to, I don't need to have a bunch of empty MP3s on my hard drive, you know, so it's, it, who needs it? You know, who's your, who's your streaming service you like? Well, <laughs> of course, I like them all equally. <laughs> you know what? I, I know I need, I, need, I, need to, I need to get a service because I still buy shit off iTunes. I still buy the, I just have it on my phone. Like you, you stream from different I, things. I stream. Yeah. I stream. Yeah. I'm going to start streaming yeah. too. I think it's easy. Yeah, I'm streaming and I, I'm, I'm not picking sides. But I hear you. I'm grateful for all the playlist editors who share, who and, and add I mean, our music to their big playlists on their big th platforms. Th th this may sound like an old guy thing to say, but I do miss going, the ritual of going to the record store. <laughs> Yeah, man. buying the record and scanning the thanks list for the next cool band and you're, uh, be honest you, you're just looking for your name on there that's all yeah, <laughs> that's why you just scan the thanks list to see if you're on that's there what we do now. that's what we all yeah that's why we all miss it i used to go to the i used to go to you know my local like uh record store which had like punk rock imports and they had the fanzines on the wall and yeah. i look and i used to go there and i'd check out the back pages of all the scene reports to see if there's anything about my own band I was, that's what I used Reviews to do. Shows and shit. <laughs> yeah. Did Maxim Rock and Roll review shows too or just records? Flipside did shows, live shows. Oh, yeah. There's live like, shows, there's yeah, records, there's, there's scene reports. There's, yeah. They would have gossip, whatever. You just look for your name in there anywhere. We, you know? Oddly enough, I saw a kid who's like 24 years old wearing a, um, a Maxim Rock and Roll hoodie. Really? Oh, right. I was like, how, how do you even know about that? You yeah, know? yeah. They're historians. Kids, yeah. Everything, Kids are historians. Uh, so who, yeah. who was part of naming Bad Religion? Uh, well, I mean, me, Greg, and Jay were there. I think I came up with it. Okay, awesome. I'm not positive. I definitely came up with the logo. Was that super controversial back then? You got a lot of shit for that, or? Yeah, totally. But I think even beyond being controversial, I think it helped the band a lot because, uh, especially in Europe, where it's probably less controversial. Totally. Yeah. But it's just so uh, memorable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Um, it's such a powerful logo, still. Yeah. 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 Like even back yeah. then, it's just like a friend of mine the other day. I'm gonna blow him up on this podcast. You know Chad Muska? Yeah. He's a famous skateboarder. I don't know him, but yeah, I he know. showed me his yeah. bad religion tattoo. The oh, that's day. rad. He did it yeah. himself when he was a kid. Oh, that's on sick. his ankle, and I was like, yeah. oh shit, it's awesome. That's sick. Um, yeah. So back yeah. then it was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty shocking logo. And now it pretty much still is. Yeah, but, but you know, we our first tour of Europe. You know, the, you know the bad religion logo is just everywhere, and you know, you know they snipe your tour posters in yeah. Europe, and it's just like. 
something clicked in my head. It's like, whoa, yeah, that's like, you know, that's like way better than a Nike swoosh. You know, that's like, look, look at that shit. You know, like you don't, you don't look at that and forget it very easily. Uh, you know, that's powerful. That's a strong logo. Um, yeah. you, know, you probably were anything branding back then. Well, I was, I was in my own immature way because like I was in the punk scene, right? And so many of the bands in my world had what turned out to be like such legendary logos. DK. Yeah, great. Right? Black Flag, probably the best punk rock logo of all time. Yeah. yeah. Like, this so simple. Misfits so had simple. a skull. Misfits. Um, Seven Seconds logo. Love that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, Social D. You know, yeah. like, so, the, the you know, and in LA, even smaller bands, China White had a red logo. So, like, so, yeah, bands had logos. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so we were like, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of, like, Mercedes or Air Jordan or something. But I was like, I was like, okay, we're a band. Need a punk name, and we need to, and then we need to have a name that can have a good logo. You know, so. It's so basic, but it says so, it says so much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Here's a question. Back then, because I, I I remember going to so many shows in the mid in the mid or mid or late eighties, yeah. and nobody sold merchandise. No one had a T-shirt. You made your own. Yeah, you made your own. yeah, totally. So, so no, we never sold merch in the old days. Yeah, because yeah, that's how yeah. I, was, I was. So on those tours, yeah, starting we, in the late eighties, you know, like uh, I remember, you know, we we would start doing it. And Epitaph used to tell bands like, hey, like we'll buy you a bunch of shirts if you'll put the Epitaph logo on the back. So I was trying to, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So like in the very, like in the early, you know, I'm talking like, you know, 88, 89, we, if you see shirts like with like a big oversized Epitaph E on the back, that's yeah, that's, that's probably, I probably we, bought the shirt. Oh, you probably yeah, had we, some we, too. I think we had some too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably, <laughs> maybe I made those for you. you yeah, know? I yeah. think you did, yeah. Yeah, a few of them. Which, yeah. Yeah, because I always That's thought it was. Course, I, I know. Um, say with um, Ian Mackay, it was his his whole yeah. credo. It seemed yeah. like you know a five dollar show. And, yeah. And there was never any merchandise, and it's like yeah. here's a band that is so influential that everybody wants a piece of them, but people you make know, their own shirts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they make was, shirts um, now, though. So I always, um, always wondered where that that tipping point where uh, where bands actually. Yeah. Because now that's that's pretty much um, when you're touring, that's a big chunk of your yeah. your income could come from you know merchandising. There, there's always been two sides of it in punk. Like there's always you know like there's always been like sort of the, you know, in on the West Coast there was Maximum Rock and Roll and Flipside, yeah. and MRR were communists. Like Tim Yohannan was just straight up communist, and they you know they would sell the thing for cost or whatever. Yeah. Flipside were just you know like punk rock, uh, you know, glossy it, cover. Yeah, glossy cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of like. Um, you know, fuck the system, anarchy. But it wasn't like they they didn't they didn't mind capitalism, right? They wanted to make money selling magazines, right? Yeah. Um, and then you had Epitaph and Discord, and I totally respect Ian. Yeah. But you're right; it was like, uh, you know, he he sort of felt that it wasn't ethical to to really make much money on at a punk, right? Where I never had any problem with capitalism. I, I think capitalism is a beautiful thing. I think that you know, I think that. Uh, uh, I think that it's harmonious with uh, classical liberal democracy, you know, and I think that a lot of the prosperity in the world is because of democracy and capitalism. So I, I was always trying to blow my bands up and sell their records. And I don't want to make an unfair profit, but if I if I can make a T-shirt a kid loves and make a buck on it, I'll yeah. do it. You know, so, I, I never understood yeah. that, like, especially around that but time. But I respect the other point of view, too. Like, crafts were communists. You know? Yeah. Like, I get it, you know, but it's just not me. I never understood that, like when all that stuff was happening, those bands are blowing up and like sell out. I remember they had the Epitaph sellout shirt. That yeah, was I made that as a joke. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, sold this on the yeah. Warp Tour. So yeah. yeah, people call you, I don't understood that part of like, okay, we love this band so much, and now they're and now they're actually getting lots of 
more people liking them. They're, maybe they get in the radio or you see their video. And then, then they're a sellout. Then we don't like you no more. I never understood the mentality of like a band can't make a living off of doing something they love. I never understood that. You know, man, it happens. It's a dynamic. It happens not just in music. It happens in everything. Like happens in happens in business, happens in religion, happens in fashion, right? Like let's say you're, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're part of some, some church, right? And it's a, you know, it's, you get a lot out of it. It's your community church. And, uh, but then it gets bigger and bigger and starts getting really popular. Yeah. It turns into a mega church. Then people will be like, you know, I'm just not getting what I used to get out of this church. It's too big now. Yeah, I got, Let's start yeah. our own little church. And they break off and make a little splinter church true. that's more true to the values of the original church, right? So yeah. that's a, it's just a dynamic. I don't know if there's a name for it, but it, it ha- happens whether you're a band, a label, a fashion house, a religion. It's it's someone should study it and you know someone should in college some smarter person should do a study an anthropological I mean, study of it in college. Epitaph you know? started as a small small label and at some point in the the I'm assuming in the mid '90s it just blew up right it yeah. became like yeah you're putting out all these records all these bands are on on you know the cover of Spin and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Did you catch much backlash for that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So what you're referring to '94. When Offspring came out, uh, Spin Magazine, Spin Magazine said oh, it called it. Yeah, they called it the year that punk broke. Yes. And Offspring had a platinum record. Green Day had a platinum record. Rancid had a gold or platinum record. Bad Religion put out Stranger Than Fiction the same year, gold platinum record, right? So suddenly, punk rock, which was sort of was a major label thing in the beginning because it was Ramones and the Sex Pistols, but those records oh, never right. even went gold. Like those were underground records. Major labels said, oh, this doesn't work. Let's move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. right? They went on to sort of like, you know, dance pop or whatever. But uh, but then punk rock broke first from Epitaph in 94. Yeah. And when that started to happen, uh, yes, I, peop- I got a lot of uh, flack. That was for, like pre-internet too, kind of. It was, yeah, it was the beginning of email. Yeah, yeah. it was the beginning of it. Boards. But yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was chat rooms and message board. But, um, Did it ever bother you? Like, fuck, who cares? Um, a little of both. Yeah, it bothered me a little. But, um, but yeah, people told, people were mad at me for, <clears throat> that's why I made the sellout shirt, you know? I love that shit. <clears throat> um, but yeah, people would accuse us of selling out punk because suddenly, you know, C- punk CDs were in chain stores and power and shit. Yeah, MTV yeah. was embracing the whole. Yeah, but thing. I was yeah. never trying to keep our music away from kids. You know what I mean? Like so, for me, I, for me, it was a win. Like for me, it was I achieved what I was trying, always trying to do. I couldn't believe, you know, I succeeded beyond my wildest dream, wildest dreams. Yeah. So, but yeah, they said I sold out punk. Uh, I ruined punk. I blah blah blah. You know. So, um, probably the same people were buying the records too. Still the ones you know talking crap about it. Anyway, it's all good. Yeah. But the major labels came around and tried to buy you back then too. Yes, yeah. Um, bigger companies have been trying to buy me the whole time. Probably. I mean, it's been happening. I mean, it's still, it's yeah. still happening. Yeah. Damn. Was there yeah. was there a small part of you like, okay, um, I've achieved pretty much everything I was trying to. Why don't I just turn this thing over to someone? Let someone else do it, sell it, and I'm just gonna go vacation and start another thing. No, I never wanted to do it because I felt like I felt like the that my label was founded on DIY values yeah. and a lot of my band signed to me and stayed with me, right? And they had like rancid, you know, yeah, like a they deal. a lot of my bands had offers to go to majors and they didn't. Even though even though Offspring famously did. Um and anyway, I'm not I'm not criticizing any of the ones that did. 
But the thing is, I'm really not, I mean, I'm I really know. honestly not criticizing anybody. I know. But many of them didn't, right? Yeah. And so the thing is, it wouldn't be fair for me to get some big payday by taking major label money when all my bands didn't. didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it just would never feel right. I felt like, you know, I, I need to be the guy because all indie labels always sell. I, yeah. I, th- I probably, Ian won't. And I won't either. Like me and Ian are going to be the guys who never did. Yeah, that's you know, awesome, that's man. that's what I want. You know, when someone offers me like the, the 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 real fuck you money, which has happened at least three times. Damn, you I just I you. just think about it, and then I think about what that would feel like to take it. Yeah. And I just I know I couldn't even sleep at night. You know. Yeah. So I just I decide that you know it's just not worth it. Gain the world, lose your soul. Type yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I feel the same. It's yeah. just a some, yeah. some somewhat left field question, but but for us on the East Coast, when we looked at California in that kind of '90s era, there's two labels that kind of stood out that represented lifestyles to us. One yeah. was Epitaph, the other was Death Row Records. Uh-huh. Did you ever <laughs> really? swim in the same circles as I love Death as Row. those yeah. guys back in the? Yeah, man. One time I went to lunch with uh, with Jimmy. Wow. And Shug, and uh, and um, what's the guy from Priority Records? Uh, Fred uh, Turner. Um, sure. Yeah, look me up on that. What, what year was that? Yeah. Like, what was it? Was that when everything was going? That was like when it was happening. That okay. was like when it was blowing up, like '95 ish. Like, yeah. They wanted to meet with you. Yeah, we were we were discussing maybe doing something. All three of us. Wow. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Holy yeah. Were they trying to get you to merge or do something? Or even yeah, remember? it was creative conversations about maybe creating a, a label that would have like Death Row and Epitaph and Interscope. And, it's like and all the rebel music in one place. Oh, Brian Turner. Yeah, Brian yeah. Turner. Brian Turner, yeah. So um, Brian Turner and me and uh, and Jimmy and, and Suge. Was that intimidating at all? No. He didn't care. Right? Yeah, I guess it was intimidating. I, I mean, I, it's hard to remember. I mean, I was excited, you know. Suge never like was, yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess they were like, they were like the biggest kind of... Well, they, they weren't well, independent, though. They were the Interscope, Well, they're right? definitely they, parallel. Well, Death Row was. And, well, De- Death Row was formed when, when sort of in the aftermath of NWA, no pun intended. No pun intended, aftermath. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Brian Turner signed, uh, Brian Turner had NWA, and he decided to keep um, uh, Cube and he sold so Dre to Jimmy. Wow. Dre, so Dre and Suge went to Jimmy at Interscope, and uh, Cube stayed with Brian Turner at Priority. Did those amazing and then solo they records. and they formed Death Row over at Interscope. So that's mm. and it was sort of an indie, an embedded indie at Interscope, and they had all those huge big hits. And but I'll <clears> tell you what influenced me at Epitaph more than more than Death Row is it was prior to Death Row, is that. Uh, before my offspring record, I was still selling a lot of records. I had I had big records, like I said, I shipped a hundred thousand of Against the Grain. Yeah. I had big records by Pennywise. I think straight, you know, Pennywise straight ahead. Yeah. We had Offspring Ignition. We had Rancid. Uh, Let's go. We had all these big records, right? And they were adding up, and we were becoming a powerhouse. And then uh, Straight Out of Compton came out right around that time. Oh, I, shit, I, that's I, right. I, I guess Straight Out of Compton probably came out in '92 or '93. Something like that, I'm guessing. But and you know they were doing bus benches around town, Ooh. and the song was on the radio, and it, and, and this band was like do, doing these insane shows in L.A. And we didn't see it until the West East Coast. Yeah. We didn't see and the record that. went gold, and then the record went platinum, and it was an indie record. 
distributed by my distributor. Oh, the same shit. distributors that Epitaph was, was that doing, Caroline right? Distributed? It was Red. Oh yeah, Red. Yeah. yeah. So, so I looked at that and I said, "Holy shit, that's an indie." Now it's rap. It's not punk, but gangster rap is fucking. It's sort of a an is sort of a transgressive form of music, just like punk rock, which is in a different way. Yeah. And so I looked at that, and I'm like, and they're doing snipes and bus benches, and that gave me the idea to do snipes and bus benches yeah. for punk music. So I started doing that for my bands, actually from seeing like the, what NWA were doing. Still doing that. I see them all yeah. around, yeah. And then when Offspring blew up, and it started to blow up and really uh, cross over, and, and I knew it was going to be a platinum record, and the majors started coming to me and saying... Hey, you know, you should do a deal with us because an indie can't really have a platinum record. The thing that mm. that I thought about was NWA. Well, they had a platinum record. Wow. And they were indie. I didn't even know so, that. Did you know that? That was in yeah. 88, 1988 when that was released. When wow. it was released. So, yeah, so probably it was like 89, 90 by the time it was going platinum. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. So So that so that was so that was an example to me and so I said, "Well, no, if they, you know, if they if they could have a platinum record without yeah. a major's help, why can't I? And it wasn't know, even so. poppy music; it was aggressive hip hop. No, super too. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that was that was very. Uh, those guys were very influential to me. So to this day, was Offspring the biggest record, probably? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it it would probably be the biggest independent record of all time, except for Adele came along and. She was Adele, independent too. Yeah, that came out on Beggar's Banquet, Martin Mills' wow, label. I didn't know so. that either. I'm a fan. Yeah, wow. so that that one was uh, uh, that one was bigger than Offspring. So, so after the Offspring record, they left. After that, or was the one after that? No. Um, after Smash. After Smash, they left, but they kept. Um, I put the next one was called Ixnay on the Ombre. Yeah, I, yeah. I put that one out in Europe, and they put it out. Uh, Sony put it out here. Okay. That was Fly for a White Guy one, I think. No, it wasn't. That that was the one after that. Okay. There wasn't like a, there wasn't a big hit on it. It was there was just a minor hit on it. Okay. So that so they left and then Casey, what year did we sign? Now so ninety seven. Ninety seven. So yeah, Rusty Rusty remembers going to, going to um. Dude, he he was uh, Brett was doing um Out Come the Wolves. Oh yeah. Electric Lady on Eighth Street. Yeah. Yeah. And we came by with a demo. We came and by we with played a, you the a demo. demo tape. Rad. That was those were good times. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. funny. You were, you guys were you were so involved in that recording and they had everyone painted their nails. And it was like one of those like we're yeah. in here together as a crew. Yeah. And I remember um, Tim saying, "Oh, come come by. You got to hear the songs." So, uh-huh. Oh yeah, bring that tape by. Let Mr. Brett hear it. That's right. Like, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, unbeknownst to us because at the time that record was just being made and we had no idea how huge it was going to be yeah so we no, roll, in, us did, we yeah. roll in with our shitty little demo yeah and you're making like one of the greatest punk rock records you know of our time it and sure is man. it's one of the greatest like, ever man that record yeah. man. it's like yeah. hey check out our demo hey don't you want to sign us <laughs> Let's go on tour next week. I hope <laughs> I was. Was I nice to you guys? I hope yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. You were. You All right, good. And <laughs> you, I think you gave us advice, like to maybe work on the songs more. And then yeah. we signed the blackout, and then we put that record out. And then I think that's what Rancid heard. You heard that, and that's when we met you and we signed with you. Cool, man. Yeah. You and that was what was Bill Wilson from Blackout. Yeah, yeah. Bill, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's still around. I yeah, I talked to him. He's recently. in the music business. Yeah. Um, so I remember that coming out here, had a showcase or something. You were there. MCA was there. 
and um, Blackout. Blackout was there, yeah. right? Was that 96? I remember, uh, I remember Bill saying, yeah, I'm going to come out. I want to talk to you about this next record. And we had already, we had been speaking with you, and we are like, man, if we can do a deal with Epitaph, that's where we're going. Because I thought with like the first we East Coast band. You, we wanted you as a label as our, yeah, first, yeah. our first choice. Yeah. And I thought with the first East Coast band we weren't, it was Down By Law. Oh, down by law. Oh, huh. Well, we were the first New York, I guess, band back then. There was no other band, really. Yeah, yeah. You're the first New York band, for sure. Um, so then, yeah. So then we signed, and then that was that was thick in the water. Mm-hmm. We did that with Larry Buxbaum, rest in peace. You know he passed away, right? No, I didn't know. Yeah, Larry Buxbaum, mm-hmm. he passed away. Yeah. That was in New York. Yeah. And that's Adam's first album with the band. That was indeed. And then we did that record. The fo- We followed that up with FTTW, which we pro- you produced with yeah. us. Yeah. In in Brooklyn, in Kyrie Brooklyn, Studios. New York, and in, you had in just, shitty Brooklyn before yeah. trendy Brooklyn. You had just come <laughs> back <laughs> from a <laughs> when it was still Brooklyn. <laughs> you had just come back from a uh, extended vacation, shall we say? Oh, it was I just got I just gotten y- clean. Yes, yeah. you had just gotten clean. Right, cool, you can say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because because when, when we first did uh, think in the water, you had you were about to go to. Rehab. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind talking about that stuff. Yeah. Okay, I could. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Let's yeah. get into he's, that. Because he's, he's <laughs> yeah. had issues with. He's I'm sober now. So yeah, I know. Cool. So yeah. your battle was specifically with heroin. Uh, yeah, I had one with heroin, with crack, cocaine, with pretty much all mood altering substances. <laughs> Atta boy. If you're yeah. gonna do it, do it. Um, yeah. I'm just curious. W- w- after like you you seem to be on top of the world at that point it seemed like everything's going great and you have this kind of monkey on your back so to speak i'm curious if there was one event or one moment where you're like man i'm done i'm cleaning up i'm stepping into the light so to speak if there was one moment in your life that kind of defined and made you take that last step yeah no it wasn't like that at all i you know i got arrested and was in county jail Remember that the mustache? Yeah, I remember. Bray, Bray that's had, right. Oh, that's right. So, the Vato mustache. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I had been trying to get clean. Bray had the mustache was so awesome. Well, that was after him. Okay, okay. Jail, yeah. But um, but yeah. So I mean, I I'd been trying really hard to get clean, and uh, wasn't able to do it, uh, and uh, got popped for possession. Oh man. Uh, twice, and you know. Was I, that during the whole time on the running this label? I'll be. No, 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 yeah, the, yeah, yeah. no! I grew the label. I was I was clean and sober for, uh, I was clean and sober for seven and a half years from okay. April fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, uh, all the way th- uh, into the mid nineties, okay. almost into the late ninety-four. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, uh, and then you know, as we've discussed in this podcast, like you know, by by the end of ninety-four, I was like, uh, you know the the music industry's wonderkind and yeah. I, was, I had mm-hmm. the biggest label top in the world, world I was on top man. of the world so I just thought I could I thought I wasn't an addict anymore yeah you know, that's why you know I just thought okay well like, you know just drink, drink occasionally and celebrate be a normal bit, yeah. person now right yeah yeah I wasn't even celebrating I was just thinking like okay you know I'm an adult and I got I got I got this right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah. obviously I was wrong about that <laughs> and so fast forward to uh, you know to 97 you know i'd been on a run and uh that's when we signed too yeah um so um uh my second clean date was december 21st 1997 so that so i got clean again 
So I was basically went on a run that lasted a little under three years. Okay. But it was pretty nightmarish. And it wasn't like I had some kind of an epiphany where I should really turn over a new leaf. I mean, I was, you know, uh, I was in big trouble. You know, I was in really, really bad shape. And, uh, Anyway, so yeah, I got do time. Yeah, I got I got popped twice. I got and uh, I was I was looking at doing either doing six months, or staying clean for a year, right? That got a deal. There's called prop. You know, there's a there's a proposition in California for for, to help addicts, which is actually a really good thing. And so anyway, it was basically that I took that. (laughs) I decided to stay clean for a year instead of doing six months in county. (laughs) Wow, man. Yeah, Yeah. that was probably scary as hell too. No, no, because I was out of my mind. Okay. Nothing was scary. <laughs> and and am I am I, am I right in remembering that you were you were in rehab at the same time Scott Weiland was in rehab? No, no, I was in there with his brother Michael. Oh. Although I knew Scott. How'd you know that? That's good for me. No we he, we we would play chess when we were making FDTW, and oh, nice. Brett would discuss his experiences in rehab. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I I was really dear friends with Michael Weiland, Scott's brother, uh, who's who's was also an addict and he's uh, you know uh, rest in peace but he's mm-hmm. no longer with us because of the d- disease of addiction he mm-hmm. you know he wasn't able to uh, get straight and he he's dead now uh, wow. and so is scott so yeah. I mean, their, I've, their I've, poor mother can you imagine, I can't imagine i've always that. wondered what what sons, what uh, keeps some people on the the straight and narrow and pulls others off it's it's really hard to get a read on what that x factor is that some people just escape and some people never do yeah. Well, for Toby, you saw your brothers, and you, you're like, no, I'm scared straight. Yeah, they scared, they scared me straight <laughs> as a kid, for sure, like, not to try anything. Mm-hmm. But they weren't doing a lot of shit, drinking, smoking weed, whatever they do in the house. But still, when you're younger, look up to your brothers, like, you know what I mean? Seem drunk, I was, I don't want anything to do with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. How yeah, long sober uh, now for? Uh, over 20 years now. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. man. Thank you. That's you amazing. St- you still playing chess? Yeah, a lot. Every day. I, I remember rematch time. Oh, are, no. are you still playing? <laughs> nah, I haven't played it. I'll play. I'll play right after this. I remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember doing it, recording that record with you. It was free. It was the winter, remember? Mm-hmm. And Carly uh, Studios. Um, we did how many weeks did we do there? And then he left and came back, right? Weeks. Probably two or three at least. Yeah, yeah be typical. Yeah. I remember the day that Freddie came with everybody to do Guilty by Association. He came to the studio. We had forty that ounces. That was fun. Yeah, it was just a good vibe and like. And we picked that studio obviously because you did Life Won't Wait there, right? Some of the stuff in Life Won't Wait was yeah, some overdubs. Yeah. 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 So that, that that was that was that was one of the funnest recording situations for oh, us, yeah. I think. The energy. Yeah, it was oh, it's great. And we did the demos, the Tim Armstrongs. And there was zero Pro Tools. It was all. Uh, yeah, it was oh, all that's tape. Right. Yeah. All tape. Yeah. Yeah. How long did we record that for? How many weeks was that? Yeah, it was two weeks in there. Yeah, yeah then, it was fun. That was just for the re- recording. It's going to be 20 years for that record next year. Yeah, we did a couple days of pre-pro, I remember, in some rehearsal room. I, I, I hung out with you guys. Remember yeah. That? Ultrasound, I believe. Yeah. Ultrasound in the city. And it I, was? I think we did the Suicidal Tendencies cover during those sessions as well. I think we did a cover did of I Want More. Yeah, I think that's okay. where that comes from. Sounds like it. Has the same sound. Um. So that was 90, That was 98 we recorded that? Because the record came out, came out 90, in 97, 98. Because it came out in 99, right? Mm-hmm. FTTW. Yeah, released in 99. And then you had been sober then for almost shit, two years from then at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, December 21st, yeah. uh, 97 was my date. So that's, that's the last uh, 
the day before that was my last time using. <laughs> Do you remember? Damn, you will you remember where you were? Were we in the East Coast or out here? Or? Yeah, I remember where I was. But it was in my house. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we used to always stay at your house too. Me and my wife, so thank you for that. We used to always, oh, sure, we used to always yeah. put us up there at your house. Yeah, semi love the moon. I will. Yeah. Um, so then, and then that, then that record came out of TTW, and then we toured that for a long time, right? We did. We I remember there was the uh, Punkarama cassettes would come out, yeah, and that the, was great for us. Incredible. Those were amazing for us. I want to talk about those too. All the Warped Tour compilations. Yeah, and then we did the we did was it the Summer Epitaph Summer Nationals, and then was great it the show. Punkarama tours that we did? Yeah. Like, Punkarama yeah. tour about some yeah. souls, U.S. bombs. Yeah, but like, all those CDs compilations were so helpful for to people who never heard of us before, just because it was Epitaph kids yeah. would listen to it and see the yeah. new bands on it. And I to, remember, and to this day, you rent, all run into random people in California and be like, "H2O, weren't you on a punkorama comp?" Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Right. Yeah, no, I, uh, those comps were great things for uh, for driving discovery and helping people discover new bands and new Was music. that something they were only new? five bucks? You know, uh, was yeah. that something you guys came up with that Epitaph started that? Yeah, I mean, we didn't start the the punk rock comp. You yeah, know? I mean, obviously, I grew up on you know oh, like, yeah, those, with, yeah, with yeah. great great you know punk comps, but yeah, we had right. the idea of of putting them out there for only five bucks, which is basically the cost. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, uh, so with mechanical royalties and pressing it and shipping and all that stuff. So, but the idea was just put them out there, make no money on them, but. Let people discover our groups, you know. Yeah. So. It was so helpful, man. Like to this day, yeah. people still talk about that. Invite more people to the party. Yeah. Especially, on, especially on the warp tour ones too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what else? Well, us today? leaving. Oh yeah. Epitaph. So yeah. So yeah. That that was a move. That. I don't know, man. Oh, leave, leaving Epitaph. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I never felt. I never had any hard feelings on that, you know, because I always just, you know, we always do the best we can. And sometimes, you know, bands want to try other things. My own band did that, yeah. you know, so I don't, I mean. You guys you know, did, what you guys signed to? Bad Religion went to Atlantic for a few records. Oh, and then they came back right. to Epitaph for yeah. Process of Belief. Yeah. Yeah, because I left the oh, band. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm never, you know, as long as it's done the way you guys did it, which was mellow, which was like, hey, man, cool, you know, we did our three records, we did yeah. our contract, yeah. now we're going to try something new, and it's, that's, that's rad. You know, yeah. it was a you know, face-to-face conversation too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It was all super friendly and honest. I, I, I respect it. You know, like I, I, I don't think of you know I don't own my bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, 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 they own themselves. You know what I mean? They, you know, they should, they should, you know, try see what's things. out there in the world and try things. Yeah. yeah I, got, I got inspired by like seeing Seven Seconds do that. Like when they kind of went, <laughs> was Restless a major label? Restless Records. Uh, I think it was a major, wasn't it? I don't remember. I, don't know. Well, I remember it they were doing be. so. Other bands do that, like, and I mean, the Clash yeah. did that. Like a lot of bands were doing that. Yeah, trying the major label thing. But sure. A couple, couple bands did that with you and came back though, right? Wasn't this Barry? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few like um, uh, Motion City Soundtrack. Oh yeah. Went to a major label and then and then came back to Epitaph. Bad Religion went to a major, came back on Epitaph. Um, anyway, I'm sure it was, you know it's fun to try different stuff. Yeah, yeah I, would, I wouldn't say it was yeah. a really fun experience, but we've already discussed that in this podcast already. But I feel like the move back then we thought we thought was the right thing to do and try something different. And um, I don't know. Yeah, there was. I remember at the time it was always a uh, it was a conflict within the band where you had one person is like, I want my shot, I want my shot. Yeah. And yeah. Then another person would be like, but it's it's family and it's a label that is based and run on family and there's a there's family ties with Epitaph. So yeah, it, it yeah. It was definitely like a push pull with us. Yeah, I I can relate, man. I, I I understand, but I just have to say, like you know, even with family, you know what I mean. Like I love my daughters, 
but I've got to fucking give her away someday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This is like, you know, yeah, none of us own, own each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, it's all good. You know, we're all, we're all just on this, uh, you know, trudging this road together. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you being part of, um, FTTW record signing us all oh, that was an exciting time for us you know back then and uh, the best of times best of best times of and times. we we get treated like we get treated better here than almost anywhere we've ever been in our life I remember like our trailer got broken into and you guys bought us gear I don't know if you know that happened but it happened um, <laughs> just just like the way we got treated on it was super valuable we had all of our friends on the day with a bouncing soul sign now it's like front sign at first, we, then they started coming over, right? Like a lot of our Mad Ball, we did Mad, Mad Ball records. Yeah. Record. Remember just, that? Yeah. yeah. It was just such a magical time to be a part of this whole thing. You know, you had Warp Tour was happening, yeah. Mad Attack was blowing up. Yeah. It, it seemed like the rising tide raised all the ships. Everyone's shows were great. Yeah. It was such a yeah. beautiful moment. Yeah, I, I always, I often think of it in that way: the sea level rising. Yeah. You know, it helped helped the whole indie music scene. You know, it did, and all, and all the bands that like. People were bummed to call them sellouts. Those bands helped us, you know, as much. You know what I mean? All the kids who were like bumming on the bands were getting so popular. They helped the little bands who weren't popular. You know what I mean? Like it all helped each other. Yeah. yeah. It opened yeah. so many doors for us, man. You know, like. Which yeah. Inspired bootstraps, which was on it. Yeah. 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 So how do you feel? How do you feel now in 2018 about, I guess, punk or, um, where everything is now with everything yeah. that's happened since then. Uh. You know, I'm actually really excited about music. I mean, obviously, I'm a you know I'm a business guy and a dad. I'm not a punk anymore. Yeah. But I just wrote a new Bad Religion album with my band and, and nice. recorded it, and we have a new album coming out. I'm going to plug my band on plug the podcast. That shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we have a new record coming out. We haven't announced a street date, but we've awesome. dropped a couple singles already. Awesome. Um, That's awesome, man. Are you, so will you be touring with the band? No, no, I don't. I'm not toured in years, but there's there they continue to tour. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I. A lot of the legacy bands, like like uh, you know my my band and Rancid and those guys, they're still out there doing it and they plugging are, away man. and making good music. You guys, same yeah. thing. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of really cool young bands that that I'm continuing to work with. Yeah. Um, Joyce Manor. Um, Interrupters. Uh, these guys, Joyce Manor. Yeah. Um, who who I love. Uh, put out a record this year. It's one of my favorite records. Interrupters have a awesome ha, are a great band, and they they got a the number four song in the country right now. Wow. Uh, She's kerosene. It's a big hit. That's awesome. Um, um, Good for them. Uh, I'm signing uh, a a young, just a a really powerful young uh, feminist uh, band uh, called uh, Mannequin Pussy. Okay, that's uh, a great name. A great name and a great band. Where are they from? Um, they're uh, they're East Coast. I think it's I think they're from Philly, but okay. don't but I, I could I mix up my East Coast. Oh, so anyway. nah. Yeah, nah. check them out. Yeah. They're they're phenomenal. But anyway, there's uh, there's just a you know I just signed a, a young uh, hardcore band or you could call them post hardcore from uh, from Canada called uh, La Dispute. Oh, yeah, who are yeah, yeah, super thing, yeah. political, super talented. So, awesome. yeah, so, you know, it, it's still happening. You know, there's yeah. there's still bands out there touring in vans and, and kids, you know, kids getting sweaty and, and who believe in something, yeah. da- you know, dancing together. So, and I, you know, I'm just grateful that I, I get to do this for my job still when I'm an old man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so We'll say it's the same thing every time we book a tour and... and see a crowd in front of us yeah like we were in chile and there's 800 kids singing along and yeah it's like this is amazing i gotta show you something <laughs> hold on this <laughs> this is you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this really hard this won't really 
make any sense to the podcast people because okay. this is I'm going to show <laughs> these guys a picture. It's going to make them laugh. Pass this around. Oh yeah, yeah. You we, seen that? We definitely. <laughs> oh, I seen that. Aren't you guys a little? I love that shit. Listening to punk music and we're the band. Besides 80s punk rock, it's amazing, man. It's, that's the truth, though, man. <laughs> It's crazy, like seeing how, how a lot of the punk rockers age compared to like the yeah, rock stars. Like, There's a Stefan from the Descendants. It's awesome. That I, know. And... I know. I mean, how is it that the Rolling Stones are booking a new tour and the Ramones are all dead? I know. Man. Like, but on the, but on the uh, other hand, they, some... could, they can afford blood transfusions. The Ramones couldn't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But but there are a lot of punk bands that are still playing though too. That are hanging in there. You know what I mean? Like and still like have energy. Oh yeah. And... Mine is. Yeah, yeah. And, and and John Joseph Cromax, like 55 years old, like still like. 100% on stage Is this the first Bad Religion record You wrote in a long time? No, no I've never stopped Okay I mean, Since they came back to it since, since Process of Belief I've been writing On all of them I just don't tour anymore Yeah What's the last yeah. tour You did with Bad Religion? Well, I, I did a I did a I guess the last Real tour was Recipe for Hate Because Stranger Than Fiction I wrote the record And played on it And then I Sort of left the band Okay uh, And then when they came back to the label and I rejoined the band for Process of Belief, I toured a little bit. I did a couple of weeks in Europe with them. Wow. So, yeah. It's hard leaving kids to go on tour now, right? It's like, it's a different world. Yeah. Yeah. How about for guitar playing? Any... I mean, I play on the records, but I don't, you know, I don't, I've never been much of a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, still, he's still producing, obviously. He still love producing all yeah. that. Yeah, I played a single on the. I played a solo, a guitar solo on the new single. Oh, nice! Yeah, so that's awesome. Check it out. What a sample! Some well, of my ripping. Hopefully, we get some angry, rebellious punk rock out of you guys. Yeah, I think I think yeah. we certainly need it. Yeah, I, after the podcast, come upstairs. I'll play a couple of new songs. Okay, awesome. If you want to hear them, I think we covered a lot, right? We yeah, did. So. We did yeah, cover a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you being here for all of us and, and what you did for music, what you did for H2O, what you continue to do for this type of music, and we appreciate that you're here and uh, you have an amazing legacy and everything you con con contributed, what I would say? Contributed. contributed for us. We appreciate that, like everything, man. Like Yeah, you're a huge part of, of this band's history, and we're forever grateful for what you Whether you, you think you are or not, it had a major impact uh -huh. on us. Well, thanks, you guys. It's a real honor to be on your podcast. Thank you, Mr. Brett. Oh, yeah. Please please put down your gun. <laughs> we, should, we should play a clip of that. I'm going to play a clip of that in there. A clip of Mr. Brett. Thank you, man. We come alive. Sure. Yo, that yeah, was yeah. fun, that was man. Oh, actually, no, I can ask one more thing. I can ask one more thing. This is where we get that. Oh, we got more questions. Brett, there's a final question. So, what, what keeps you going? Like, some people have, like, exercise or their coffee or their family. What keeps you positive or keep, I mean, I know it's hard with the politics and what's happening with the administration, everything going on, but what keeps you going every day? Like what is something that keeps you still passionate at your age and everything? Um, well, it's not what keeps me passionate, but you first ask what keeps me going. And yeah. I, yeah. And I, I do a lot of meditation. Okay. Uh, I've been meditating uh, for, for uh, over 30 years. And, wow. And, uh, you do too, and right? You follow a specific. Just yeah, I I uh, I do a, a technique called vipassana, which is mindfulness meditation. It's the meditation taught by the Buddha, and you know I I, I do over an hour a day. Wow. Yeah. That's before you start your day. Just in the morning or something. I mean, I I do forty minutes in the morning. Yeah. I I do it throughout the day. I. 
You just block out shit and just do it. No, you don't block out shit. It's the exact opposite. Okay. You become aware of everything in the present moment. Okay. That's awesome. So that's that's your thing to get you through. That that helps everything. Like if you, I mean, mi- it, it really does. I can't I can't recommend it enough. But that's that's what I do. And if you ever, you never missed a day, or if you missed a day, it kind of misses puts everything. I missed off. many days in the in the dark days of my addiction. I didn't really do it. No. Okay. It's it's not really possible to do it while you're on mind altering substances. But. Yeah, my wife my wife does. What's her intermediate? What's it called? Inter. Meditation. Yeah, yeah, trans. Yeah, yeah. She still does that. She does that too. That's it. I started. That's that's the one I started with. She loves it, man. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I started on that when I in uh, when I was fourteen in nineteen seventy six. Wow. I started this year. I don't know. I don't know. It got in my you know where I where I found out about it, but uh, but. I found out about it and I took a course. My, I, I had uh, progressive parents and they let me sign up for TM when That's I was amazing. when I was uh, fourteen. Oh, I, I was just saying my my one New Year's resolution this year was to meditate all three hundred and sixty five days. Have you done it? Eh, messed up a couple of days, but I, yeah, that was my goal starting this year. The one resolution and I I definitely found it to be very helpful. Yeah, it's 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 real. I think about trying that. You, you don't do yoga? No. Yeah, me either. I don't do that. People tell me I should try it, but Rusty, what's your what's your regimen? My regimen, coffee, dogs. <laughs> I love coffee too. Dog walk, coffee. Yeah. He's so, he's so, both these guys are crazy coffee dudes, man. Like. Confused. No, I am too, man. Focus. <laughs> How many cups a day you want? You think three, four? Um, about four. Yeah, I think it's Rusty too. What about you, Adam? I don't know. I just keep filling my cup up when it gets about halfway down, <laughs> so I don't really keep, keep track. <laughs> You know, one more thing. I feel really dumb about this. I was looking at looking up stuff last night about Brett and Epitaph logo, and I just realized that the Epitaph logo is going to sound so dumb. <laughs> you just I'm such a what it is. It's a yeah, that it's a gravestone. <laughs> I didn't even realize it, man. I'm such an idiot. That's last amazing. Night, I know. I looked at it last night. I was like, holy fuck, this is a fucking great. I never thought about it. I saw it was like a cool looking E. I don't know, like. I'm a total poser, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm a poser. That's Thank you, Brett Gerowitz. Thank you. Thanks, Toby. Awesome. <laughs> I recorded that episode like in October, along with the other first four you guys heard before that. Um, <clears throat> that's going to be kind of like my MO where after I do the interview, I wait and I realize, oh shit, I, I had more questions for them. So usually there's going to be some extra stuff at the end of all my episodes. It's kind of like the theme of what I've been doing. I'm sorry, I'm just a spaz and I don't get all the questions I need to. And uh, sometimes I just like OCD and bug out on the what I could have, should have asked them, and I get them back on the phone. Also, I know you guys were saying that Rusty Pistachio was super low on, on those two episodes, three episodes. But yeah, Rusty talks like this really quietly, you know, sometimes, so it's really hard to hear what he's saying, so that's why I gotta do your best to listen as, as hard as you can. But we turn Rusty up as loud as possible, and that's just the way he talks. We love Rusty for that. So enjoy some more questions with Brett Gerwitz. Thanks, guys. So... So, I mean, we, we talked, I listened, I listened to the episode, we talked about so much stuff, and, um, but there was just a couple more questions, like, that I wanted to ask you, um, and do the stuff, this, I'm going to say, I'm going to say everything when it's, obviously when it's all put together, but even just the beginning with you, we were talking about politics and stuff, that, that was, that, that stuff is so amazing, man, so I definitely want to let you hear it, make sure you're cool with it, um, but what I want to ask you is that, you mentioned too that you started, we mentioned earlier that, when we were talking is about um you started doing meditation at a really young age right i think i think your parents turned you on to that i think you mentioned that correct 
No, my parents did not turn me on to it. What, what happened was that I stumbled upon a um, a book on transcendental meditation okay. at, in the mall at Pickwick Bookstore. Do you remember oh, Pickwick Books? Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> like, I actually discovered punk rock at Pickwick Books, too. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's funny. That's like, one of my questions. You'd be in the mall with your parents, and you'd, be, you know, you'd go to the bookstore, and they'd have, you know, you'd find out about the world that was like before the internet but anyway yeah um you know like so it was i don't know it was like 76 or something and it was like wow. tm was like the big fad in the u.s at that time that's when it was hitting the u.s you know yeah um and i i was looking at the book and i i, I showed it to my mom and I said hey i want to try this or i think i said would you buy me the book i said i had the book and i said i want to try this and you know they had classes in uh that's in amazing Rosita, is, yeah so i so I, I basically asked my mom if she, you know, if I could take these classes. So, so but but your uh, but were your parents were your parents pretty open minded about it? Was like, was there any like pressures for you? Like, you have to go to college, you have to do this. Was there any certain mold that they wanted you to fit, or it's were they pretty just open minded? Like, whatever you want to do, we support. Um, they wanted me to go to college, and they wanted me to do well. But at the same time, yes, they were they were super supportive parents, and they were. Um, they were pretty open-minded, you know. But, you know, they wanted me to be a good kid and stay in school, which I didn't do. <laughs> you did. So, did you get did you get good grades? Uh, well, no. I mean, I'm a high school dropout. Oh, okay. So. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I hated school too, and I got really bad grades, but I, I kind of forced myself to do it. And I'm, it's it's interesting because my son's having a rough time in school now too. Like he really he really loves music and skateboarding and creating music, but he can't stand school and i'm just trying to like focus on that with him right now just to get him through it so just you just got to pass you just got to make it through and then you can do what you want to do but um so that i guess it leads me to another question you just mentioned about going to that place um with that so what was your first exposure to punk music i didn't even ask you that um yeah i mean um obviously you know i, I sort of i was I was reading a little bit about it yeah. uh, because it was starting, you know, there, there are things, uh, it hadn't really come to the suburbs of LA yeah. in, uh, in the late seventies, like in, you know, in 77, it was, you know, at least not, uh, you know, I was only 15 years old in 77, but I wasn't aware of it, but, um, you know, I had seen, uh, you know, I'd seen like some coffee table books with pictures of punks in England. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I knew that, I knew there was something happening, um, and then I got turned on to the Ramones. I think you know, in, in like '78. Wow. Um, at at my local um, my local record store, that was like a they sold imports, and uh, they were like an indie record store. They weren't a chain. They were called okay. Moby Disc. And um, Moby Disc. Yeah, it was called Moby Disc. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And it, it was it was a cool record store. It was like you know it was the record store that had, you know, it had uh, imports from the UK. Yeah. And then it had hi-fi imports from like Japanese vinyl, and then they had punk records, and you know, and actually, and they had a big painting. Uh, you know, they used to have um, big paintings of album covers out in the parking lot. Okay. So they had the Ramones. You know, they had the Ramones' first album, and it was. Uh, it was really big in the parking lot. It was sort of like those guys standing there in know, front of the wall. I think, right? They're all standing. Yeah, these four guys yep. with long hair, but you know, wearing leather jackets in front of a brick wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy, and then the guy in the store said, "Hey, yeah." I said, "You know, what's cool?" Blah blah blah. And he said, "Yeah, you got to check out this Ramones record." 
And so, I, yeah, so I took it home, and that was it. You know, it was uh, hook, line, and sinker. Was that, I loved you, it. was that, you think that's one of the bands that inspired you to start a band? They are the band that okay. inspired me. No, no okay. question, yeah. Yeah, that, they, they, uh, and I think that they were really the, the Pied Pipers of, of the indie rock movement, you know, because that's what punk rock turned into indie rock eventually. 100%. Um, and, um, and spawned all sorts of, uh, you know, all sorts of subgenres. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and, and I think, you know, the Ramones were the, the genesis of all of that. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, so w- when you started, when you d- dropped out of school and then you got inspired by music and you want to start a band and all that stuff, were, you, were your parents worried, worried about that decision or just like, were they worried about the well, direction? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure they were, you know, as a parent now, I can only imagine. Yeah. But, you know, I, uh, I didn't tell my parents that I was dropping out of high school to become a delinquent. You know, I said, Hey, yeah. you know, I want to. I'm going to drop out of high school. I'm going to take the GED and then I'll go to junior college instead. And I'll just skip, uh, you know, I'll, I'll skip 12th grade. Uh, and, wow. and they're like, that's cool. So, that, you know, so then I went, you know, I went to junior college and fucked around for like, you know, a year. And then, <laughs> you know, that I didn't, you know, I didn't, I was taking, you know, music theory courses and, yeah. you know, philosophy of eastern and western philosophy courses and you know whatever it was i just thought was kind of interesting yeah and um and that wasn't really going anywhere and then you know and then i sort of went from there and i thought i'd try art school so i went to otis parsons uh, art school for a while yeah did that for probably you know six months or something so i you know my parents were very supportive in trying to help me find my groove yeah. In life. Yeah. Which I appreciate, you know? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think I would have really enjoyed school, um, you know, later in life. Like after, you know, in my 20s, I kind of slowed down and, and gotten more serious, but I just wasn't really equipped for school. Yeah. Um, like before I was like 25. Yeah. And, and when, when they found out the name of your band, Bad Religion, were they, did that freak them out a little bit at all or no? No, they didn't care. They were like, my parents aren't religious. They, I mean, we come from a Jewish family, but yeah. they're very reformed, like yeah. very liberal. There wasn't, you know, there's no, we weren't like, we weren't observant Jews in that way. You know, we had, yeah. we didn't really even have relatives that were very observant. We, you know, I, we would, you know, weddings and, and funerals were usually at, at the synagogue, you know. Yeah. And we had friends who had bar mitzvahs and stuff, but it, it wasn't, um, uh, it was more of the you know the cultural traditions than anything to do with um, you know religious dogma or you know anything like that. It's, there's no there's no praying or yeah in your house yeah. There's, there's no, nothing spooky going on in my house yeah. to do with religion. <laughs> um, that's the same way, uh, <laughs> same way I'm raising my son too. Is like with no religion in our house. We really never raised him with that. He's just figuring out stuff for himself and um, but yeah. uh, and then also you you also mentioned too briefly that. You quit Bad Religion, and then you rejoined. Um, what was there a specific reason for that? You just didn't want to tour anymore, and, and the reason why you came back? Oh well, I mean, it, it's interesting, you know. Like these guys are my oldest friends, and we we. Uh, I mean, when we started in our band, it was in high school, and those guys were fifteen, and I was seventeen. You know, so like wow. by the t- and that was in like eighty 
right? Yeah. So by the by the time like we got really big, you know, it was like uh, you know ninety one or something, and we'd already been in a band together and been friends for eleven years. Yeah. And then you know, and then you know by ninety four we were really blown up. Like we you know we got signed to a major. Yeah. And we'd done a bunch of international tours. We were like huge internationally. We could sell out multiple nights at the stadium. We could sell out stadiums in Germany. You know, and so yeah. it was like, and it, it it already felt like I'd been doing it for a lifetime, and we were getting on each other's nerves. I'm sure. Like, and I'm I'm not putting the blame on anyone else. Like, yeah. I'm sure I was a dick, but and, but, <laughs> and in the moment I thought they were being dicks, and yeah. like we we're just we were just totally on each other's nerves, and. Um, my uh, record company, Epitaph, had had just started to get super successful. Yeah, for sure. Right at that period of time in '94, like I just put out The Offspring, I just put out Ranted Out and the Wolves, right? Yeah. So, and then I was making uh, Stranger Than Fiction for Bad Religion, yeah. And all that was happening simultaneously, and we were in the studio together, just being totally fucking. You know, just being bitches to each other. Yeah, you know, the whole time. <laughs> I've been there. And I just, finally, I just said, you know, fuck this. Like I don't, like I'm 32 years old. Mm-hmm. I've been playing in a punk rock band for fucking, you know, 15 years already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be a grown up and do my business right now, and I don't need to fight with you fuckers. You know. Yeah. And quit. Totally makes yeah, sense. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was a good. I thought. I thought Stranger Than Fiction was the best record, you know, we'd ever done up till then. It had every chance to be huge because it was on a major. Yeah. And I thought that was, you know, I just thought that that would be a poetic uh, time for me to stop. You know exactly. what I mean? Like when we were at our peak, you know. Was that is that so, is that your favorite Bad Religion album, probably? Uh, I don't think so. I, th- okay. I think Process might be my favorite. Okay. And so, and then how many years were you out of there before you came back? Well, then they went and did three more records for Atlantic. Wow. And then I came back. So I don't know, maybe it was three or four years before I came back. Yeah. Need the break. Yeah, I'm sure you can, you can look it up somewhere. I've yeah, I'm sure. terrible with dates. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and then what, what, here's an, one, one more question too, is like, what are the values from punk rock that you learned as a young kid that you, that you kept with you your whole life, you know, with running a label and, becoming a parent and, you know, being a husband and stuff, like some of those values that you try to instill in, into your kids? Yeah, well, I'm, I think uh, DIY yeah. values, you know, like uh, sometimes no one's going to do it for you, so you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also um, it's loyalty, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and community, you know. Yeah. Um, awesome. And... Uh, uh, and I think uh, individuality, individualism, you know, really, um, really uh, valuing the individual. Yeah, those are awesome. Those are those are perfect ones. Um, and then finally, I want to ask you, do, do you consider yourself like an optimistic or pessimistic person? Oh, optimist. Yeah, I see that 100%. Yeah, even through all the crazy shit happening, I feel like that that mentality always prevails and always yeah you gotta be yeah you gotta be especially especially Trump is a classic pessimist you know 
Oh my god! I've, I, I know we haven't talked since we did the interview, but there's so much has happened since that with the shutdown yeah. and the state of emergency yeah. threat and all this stuff. And I've been actually been inspired by you. I've been going more hard on social media with the political stuff because it's been getting me really, really angry. So I've been like just venting about it. And people, he, he, even his whole, even his whole platform of, uh, you know, making America great again, as mm-hmm. if it was better in the past than it, than it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cynical. It's pessimistic, right? Hundred percent. I mean. You know, things are getting better, and, and and an optimist looks at things and says, "Let's make things better than they've ever been. Exactly. Now let's bring back the past." It's just it's nothing but pessimism. It's a good point. Fear and pessimism. It's so hard. It's it's so hard not to um get caught up in it and start looking at the news and not having it affect you mentally or affect your day. It's it's so hard to like stay away from it because it's I don't want to avoid what's happening in the world right now, but like it's to try yeah. to stay positive. It's really hard to like look at that stuff but then i feel like i don't want to live in some little bubble where i just avoid all the shit that's happening but um all right awesome brad yeah this is great this is perfect all i wanted to ask you and you have a great once it's all put together i'll send it to you and stuff and um i appreciate it really much i appreciate it a lot brett all right right on man well hey uh um thanks for a really good interview and let's hang out sometime yeah for sure i'll hit you up i have your number now so i'll reach out to you we should get some food or something um, yeah, we should go. We should go with the girls. I'm down, hundred percent. It'd be it'd be fun. All, All right. right, awesome, Brett. Have a great day. All right, talk to you later, Toby. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.